Hey, hey, welcome to Write in Your Mind. I'm Wilson. My job is to break down lessons and insights from change makers in the mental health space, including experts, investors, and founders. So today, we'll be taking a trip over to the States and we'll be talking to Ravi Sharma with Udify. Ravi is a mental health activist, an investor, and the founder of Udify a platform that uses digital phenotyping to help people navigate the mental health care system. Prior to Udify, Ravi was one of the youngest portfolio managers at Western Asset Management & Co. So probably not the most traditional background that you would expect for a mental health founder. Ravi's lost two family members and a dear friend to suicide. And after navigating the fragmented healthcare system for years, he decided to build a platform that could solve the structural and systemic problems in our mental healthcare system. So I really enjoyed this chat with Ravi. It was very, very thought provoking and really gave a deep dive into his journey building Udify from the very start to a crazy ping pong story and meeting a professor that helped him set up that first clinical trial to what he's doing now and what he thinks about the future of mental health. One of the most interesting things that Ravi talked about was how he overcame his investment banking background and compensated for that just by going out, talking and overcoming fear. As always, all links mentioned will be in the show notes. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Ravi Sharma. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Ravi, it's great to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for your passion for mental health care. It's so important. I think we immediately connected when you shared your story. And I love that you're doing what you're doing. And I'm, I'm happy to support any way I can. So again, thanks for having me. I thought it would be a great start to maybe talk about what you're doing with Udify. So for those listening, would you mind giving a quick rundown? What's Udify? What's the overarching goal here? And how, how are you guys tackling it? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for saying the name right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Udify, it's a little marketing play with the name. So Ut in Hindi, which is my native language, means to lift up. And really what we're trying to do, Wilson, is lift up the way in which mental health care is delivered in our country and then eventually beyond in other parts of the world as well. What I found in my personal struggle is that so many times with mental health care, there's a trial and error issue, right? You're trying to find out what is the right mental health care solution for you. Should you do meditation? Should you do therapy? Should you do coaching? Should you just, you know, do some psychoeducation? And so through the process of navigating the mental health care system here in the States, for my own family members and for my friends and for myself, I almost consider myself a super user. I really thought that, hey, wouldn't it be nice if there was one platform that was your digital companion that could take you to either the right intervention or combination of solutions that's right for you. So think of Udify as that personalized mental health care platform that gets you to the right intervention based on your, your specific needs. Because we all have mental health, right? We all need some sort of mental health care. And so that's the goal with Udify. That's super cool. I think one thing that you mentioned there that I'd love to dive a little bit deeper on is finding the right intervention. Last time we chat, you mentioned that the goal of Udify was very much so to help people navigate the mental health system. And you talked about there being lots of different solutions from meditation to therapy to varying degrees of support. How does Udify help people navigate that? What does that process look like? Yeah. You know, our thesis started off at a clinical trial that we did at Loyola Marymount University here in Los Angeles. 
And our thesis is quite simple. It's how do you create a profile of someone based on self-reported assessments? So how are your symptoms, your anxiety, your depression? How's your personality? What kind of personality traits do you have? What kind of attachment styles do you have with different types of therapists? You know, wide sort of list of potential open source assessments that we know are clinically validated to improve uh, the way in which we're connected with mental health resources. So that was the first step that we wanted to test. And we learned some interesting things. So Wilson, we learned that therapy doesn't help everybody necessarily. So sometimes different interventions are more effective for different people. Or a combination of interventions can be uh, really helpful for certain populations of people. And that's where we started to understand that personalized mental health care is the way in which you solve the mental health crisis, right? So number one, it's creating a profile of someone that wants to work on their mental health. And then secondly, using what we call, that's called the digital phenotype, is taking that digital phenotype and then segmenting different interventions into buckets that are clinically validated and evidence-based to help with someone with that digital phenotype. So it's think of it as a a matching algorithm. But more than that, it's it's really deep in the space of diagnostics and not just matching you to the old order. And what I mean by the old order, and this is where I'm getting a little deep. So, you know, tell me to shut up if I'm getting too deep. The idea that mental illness is the only way to categorize people, right? That is a big mistake in mental health care today. That's how our medical system works here in the United States. But We really should be looking at people on a continuum, right? We all sit on this mental health continuum, and that could be, you know, an x-axis, a y-axis, or it can be four quadrants. And where do we sit? You know, are we languishing or are we flourishing? Dr. Corey King has done some really great studies on this. Dr. King, he talks about how people with mental illness can still flourish, right? So you, you want to move people that have mental illness or even mental health challenges closer and closer to that flourishing quadrant. So that's what we are um, looking to do at Udify. Everything is evidence-based. We've spent a lot of time architecting what we've built with the best psychiatrists in the world, best clinical team in the world from UCLA, from USC, from Loyola Marymount University, and beyond. So even the Los Angeles Department of Mental Health is helping us out through some advisory team members, board members. So really just trying to get the best of the best to help us clinically architect something that is clinically sound and then beautiful to kind of use as well. On the next question, I kind of wanted to move a bit more into your personal background in this space, because what you've just described is a very, very clinically robust system. And I'm very curious, through some of my research, I saw that you had more of an investment banking background in the past. And from what I saw, you didn't have that much clinical or scientific background in the space. Early on, how did you actually navigate the space? And how how did you get to a point where now you've got very solid clinical backing for what, what you're doing? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's there's three points I want to make there. Number one, I've been so passionate about mental health for the past 20 years, ever since I had family members that battled mental health issues, you just naturally you're you're in it, right? You're in the healthcare system, you're learning, you're talking to therapists, you're talking to psychiatrists, you're talking to ER doctors, in some instances, you're talking with psychiatric wards, it's a process, right? And so I did a lot of due diligence on the space. I also was not afraid to ask questions. So I I would go to mental health conferences. I would talk to every clinical professional that I could, you know, kind of pitch them on what I'm thinking about the space and kind of get their perspective as well. So I would, you know, ask a lot of questions. And then the third thing is 
and you don't really know until you connect the dots later. That's one thing I've learned in life is things happen in your life and you're like, why did that happen to me? And then you connect the dots you're like, oh wow, I understand now. I actually wrote a paper when I was in college at USC about mental health, but it was more sociology kind of approach to this where I felt that one of the big components of mental health care is also community. And in this paper, I wrote about Gemeinschaft versus Gesellschaft, which are two different ways in which you look at uh, communities. And it talked about the evolution of communities when we were farmers. We, we were closer as a family. We were in a more community-based setting. We all supported each other. And now through social media, through this pandemic, through everything that's happening, like everyone's just so cut off. And that, that affects your mental psyche. And that's why you're seeing such a huge mental health crisis. We've just gone to this other side. And so I think technology is kind of getting to that point where hopefully the pendulum swings back and technology can kind of help. But I've just always been really interested in this space, not just from intellectual perspective in college, but then seeing family members and friends battle mental health issues and learning through just by being in it. And then third, just asking a lot of questions, talking to every therapist, psychiatrist, provider I could at mental health conferences. So, you know, I, I took that investment banking background and, you know, that startup experience background that I've had as a founder in the past. And I applied that work ethic, that hard work of, you know, 15, 20 hour days, all nighters. And I applied it to just learning as much as I could about the space. And, you know, it's the immigrant mentality, just hustling, hustling, hustling. A lot of Phil's coffee. So I think I wanted to touch on one point you mentioned there about community being a very, very important part of mental health care. And one thing that really fascinated me about Udify was the fabric. For some of the listeners, could you explain what the fabric is and why it's so important? Yeah, it's something that we're honestly experimenting with. We used it in our clinical trial. And I'll start with the name. So when you look at fabric, like cloth, it's a bunch of different threads put together, a lot of different threads, right? And if we could put all of our stories together and bond over our stories and the traumas that we have and the challenges that we've had and the wins that we've had, that'll bring our community together. And so that's why it's called the fabric. It's really meant to weave society together because a community that shares their stories and is more open is more likely to be able to grow and move beyond mental health challenges and be more empathetic. And at the end of the day, we're human. And that that goes a long way. Just, you know, even when you're getting a physical checkup, sometimes when the doctor asks, say, hey, Wilson, how are you today? Like, are you doing okay? Sometimes your physical ailments aren't as painstaking. That's what we're trying to do with the fabric is really unify people and create that community and create that sort of um, uh, closer community, if you will. That's a really, really powerful concept, having people be able to share their stories and bond over that. And one one thing that you mentioned there that's very, very interesting to me about the fabric and helping people, with these sorts of products, ideas, and solutions, it is very important to make sure that they do help people as well. And when you're starting a business, it's very important to talk to customers, to be able to talk to users and understand what their problems are. And I'm very curious, in the mental health space, a lot of these issues are very, very personal and very difficult to talk about how did you go about talking to customers and getting that validation yeah so it's been a journey (laughs) 
So we, our initial, our initial customers were actually the therapists or the providers. And so they were very open and vocal about their problem suite, right? Their problem suite was, hey, I'm using telehealth platforms, but I'm making minimum wage. They talked about not having a centralized place. They had, they talked about not having strong uh, sort of referral base for new customers. They talked about struggling with marketing and sales. They talked about, you know, a litany of problems. So they were very open. We did know that we need to your point, we needed to get feedback from clients too. what's important to them, we knew like cost, access, stigma, these things were very important to them and issues for them. But we only learned about the epiphanies and the problem that we're solving, which is to your point is a navigation issue that you mentioned at the top of the call through our clinical trial, right, we had to have a controlled setting where people felt comfortable. We use a lot of clinical tools and assessments to capture data, right, that are all private and uh, easy to easily kind of monitored and we did it over a 10 week period so it was it was duration there was sort of time horizon there which was really helpful and they got school credit which was helpful for them <laughs> so, you know i think for us it, it was a multi-pronged approach we have many different stakeholders we have providers we have clients we have enterprises we have insurance companies payers we have investors very demanding investors who i, who I love to death they're amazing so, you know, it's it's one of those things where you want to appease everybody. But at the end of the day, Udify sits at this crossroads where we know there are certain things that we will do that will make a lot of money for everybody. And that's a sustainable business model. But it's at some point, there's got to be a high level bird's eye view of how we structurally and systemically solve the mental health crisis. And that can be through things that are subclinical and we don't make money on those things. And so that's where Udify is unique. We are one place to lift you up. And that may not be through therapy that we monetize, right? So we want to make sure we get you the right care, even if it means we don't make that money. It sounds like a lot of the learnings and validated assumptions that you had came early on from clinical trials as well. So to jump back to a bit of a previous point, is there a story behind that? How did you manage to set, set that trial up? <laughs> Oh man, this is cool. I, I love your questioning because this is a good story. So we worked out of a WeWork here in California and during lunch, one of my self-care activities was I do pick up ping pong games. They had a ping pong table on the top floor. I don't know. Do you like ping pong? Do you play ping pong? I do. I do. It's a great game. <laughs> so I love that game. It just helps me like get in flow, reset, like me and my co-founder would play all the time. And so I did a pickup game with this gentleman that was a ex-scientist that had a lot of connections in mental health care. I didn't know this. We were just playing ping pong, but he started asking about what I was doing. And I really believe in the butterfly effect, man. It really, it really makes an impact. So I told him what I was doing and he's like, hey, you should talk to this professor at Loyola Marymount University in the middle of a ping pong game while we're warming up. I said, yes, you know, one thing as a founder that you want to do, Wilson, you know, I know you're starting this podcast and I think you're going to start a lot of things. You're going to do really well is just do the butterfly effect, say yes to, to a lot of things, you know, especially early on, just learn a lot. So I said, yes, I went and met with this professor at Loyola Marymount University. He was an associate professor at the psychology department. I go into his office, I sit down, I tell him, this is what I'm working on. I'm super excited. I think it's so innovative. It's so, uh, it's brand new matching technology to the right therapist through this mobile application. This was like, the early days, very early days of Udify, and he, he literally turns white. He's like, really? This is your idea? I'm like, yeah. And he gets up in the middle of the meeting. He takes out a book that was, was covered in dust from the 80s, authored by him. He shows it to me. He flips open to the page and he says, read this paragraph. 
I read the paragraph and it literally was three or four of the things that we're doing at Udify that he said one day will happen in mental health care. One day he believed it will happen. He published published book, published chapter, and um, we just started laughing, laughing. He's like, have you read this book? I'm like, no, I haven't read this book. This is the first time I'm hearing about you. And um, we started laughing and we really connected on a very human level. And he said, hey, what do you need? How can I help you? I'm like, listen, like we want to solve the mental health crisis on college campuses. We think it's a big problem. If we had some data to show that this would help college students and it was in a controlled environment, maybe that would help. And he's like, okay, well, I can try to pitch you to the university, but it'll be tough. But I do have control over my students. I could do a school credit clinical trial, but we'd have to get the institutional review board to sign off on it. We'd have to deal with subject safety. We'd have to give create a whole process around this, blah, 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 blah. And that was it. I mean, we started working on it. We, My clinical team worked with him. He was the independent principal investigator. We did all the therapy on the platform, Did got quantitative data, thousands and thousands of data points. And then we took those data points and then we asked for qualitative feedback from the students. And boom, we were off to the races. We proved our thesis. So it, it was a wild story. That's super incredible that even so many years back, he could say that tech like Udify would exist in the future. Yeah, very fascinating. Connecting the dots again, it was very serendipitous. And had I not played ping pong with that guy and been friendly and extroverted, maybe this wouldn't have happened. So I'm really thankful that that happened. And we're actually filing two provisional patents this week based off that. Yeah, based off that information. So, you know, I think all that is good. I'm, ve- I'm very happy with, you know, how things are progressing. It sounds like that clinical trial was done on undergraduate or postgraduate college students. One thing that I noticed is Udify does seem to be targeting millennials, younger college age people at the moment. Was that influenced solely by the trial or or was that the direction that you were thinking of taking it even before that? Yeah, no, it was the direction we were taking earlier, Wilson. So for me, we started direct to consumer. That was very expensive. Unit economics were tough. So we wanted to find a population that we felt like we could add a lot of value. And college students felt like the the natural fit, right? And so we had to do the clinical trial to kind of get that data. We just signed a contract with a large payer to be able to have all the services done for free on the platform. So that's huge. It'll solve the cost problem. And, you know, for me, I've gone through mental health issues in college. A lot of students are. It's an epidemic on college campuses. Everyone's struggling. I mean, who isn't struggling right now? So I really wanted to come up with something that could help youth and you know most mental illness happens before the age of like 24 so you know majority of it so and i i think it's like 80 percent or 82 percent so i wanted to make sure that we could you know help that population and then obviously kind of expand from there but yeah it's definitely something that we're thinking about long before that yeah so at this moment this sounds like an amazing story of personal experience and then going forwards and actually doing something in the space but not everything is pretty and roses. I'm kind of curious, do you happen to have a favorite failure at all along the journey? Maybe one that's propelled you forwards or one that means a lot to you? (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I have too many. (laughs) You know, I think one of my biggest mistakes and just the biggest trial and tribulation that we had as a company was just trying to get the technology right. I went with a partner that I knew through a relationship that I had and, you know, vetted nicely. I looked, I did due diligence on their existing products and 
I saw some glitches in the product, but they said they were working through them. So I was like, okay, that should be okay. And did some referral checks and everything, you know, for the most part checked out. But when they built the product, they kept missing timelines. And, you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have just gone with a CTO route out of the gate, which now I have a CTO. It was like a, it was like a fractional CTO that we had. And then like uh, offshore resources and it was challenging. So I think we've learned from that. Uh, on how to like, you know, be a little bit more thoughtful with the partners that we select. But it was brutal because, you know, we had to transition to a new team and the same WeWork, there was a moment at which we had to like exchange services for code. And it was a weird situation and it was very difficult, very traumatizing. And that was, you know, really early on. I think it was like when we were first starting and it was like that could have killed the company day one. And I just didn't let it happen. I muscled through it, you know, got got, you know, got the lawyers to, you know, negotiate everything and make a seamless transition. But it was tough. You never want that to happen. But it was a clean break. Everything was done properly and documented properly. But it was hard, man. Like I remember sitting around Christmas time. And I was just like, man, is this gonna is this gonna work? And you just have like that knot in your stomach. You're like, Oh, I spent so much time on this so much time. I'd only spent like four months or six months on it at that time, you know, so now I'm well into it. But you know, it's just it's your baby. And I, I I'm in love. I'm in love with Udify. I honestly am so in love with this company. And I, I think it can really change the world. So I'm glad we got through that. <laughs> It's super inspiring to hear that even with such massive tech issues, you, you managed to push through. On the next note then, for some of maybe some early stage founders that might be listening, you mentioned that you went with more of a partner relationship and later on decided to go maybe more of the CTO route. How did you actually end up finding your CTO? Yeah, serendipity. So obviously interviewed a lot of people through this process. I was keeping my, my investors obviously updated. I send out quarterly updates and... I was telling him like, hey, I'm having this problem. The team's not delivering. I need help. I'm trying to figure it out. This is what I'm doing. I'm trying to mitigate the risk. It's not ideal. But I kept sending them the updates. And then one of the investors said, hey, like I used to be a CTO at a huge, huge uh, financial services company called Bank of America. He used to be the architect at Bank of America. His name's Peter and uh, Pressel and Byrne. And I was like, oh, really? Obviously, I knew that, but I didn't know that you would you would be interested in a, like a role like this. He's like, yeah, I'm interested. Let's talk. So we talked and he's like, listen, I'm an investor. I want this company to succeed and I believe in it and I'd love to jump on. Let's do it. I mean, it took a few months. It probably took three to four months to kind of get him up to speed and transition everything. And now we're hitting on all cylinders and he's wonderful. He's an investor in the company. He invested in January and it hasn't been a straight line, but I'm happy that, you know, we're at where we're at. But it was also just, again, communicating a lot of, a lot of communicating. Well, it sounds like it's been a very, very wild journey to get to where you guys are at the current point. So what's next for Udify and what's next for Ravi? We solve the mental health crisis. No, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of wood to chop still. I'm really excited about so much. You know, the patents that we've filed to be an inventor on a patent is super cool. And also just, you know, bringing value to the mental health care space. You know, that's very exciting to me. I really feel like we have so much exciting partnerships that are coming online soon. We signed Meta World Peace a few months ago to be our chief impact director. And we're going to be doing, we're doing so many exciting things with him and other influencers. It's really nice sitting here in LA because we've got 
some of the best talent right in our neighborhood, in our backyard. So super excited about that. For me personally, I do feel like Udify is on track to change the way in which mental health care is delivered. And we would love to execute on this vision. That's what I'm excited about. I want to execute. I want to generate tons of tons of commercial success because if I'm able to do that, that means I'm impacting lives. And to me, I want to change I want to change the game because it hasn't been working, it's not working, it's frustrating, and I, I feel the pain of people that have gone through what I've gone through, and sometimes even worse than what I've gone through. And I'm just lucky and fortunate to be able to be working on my passion and you know sharing my story with people like you. And hopefully, you know, you're the next generation that will take this baton and make it even bigger and have even more impact. That's that would be my dream, is if we can inspire other people, other founders other people that are interested in mental health care and making people happier, improving their mental health, that is when I will be happy and satisfied. So that's what I'm excited about. So if we were to take like maybe two steps out of Udify, more so into the general mental health space, are there any general trends that you see or things that excite you that are going on? Like there was a recent merger between Ginger and Headspace that happened. And is anything macro that, that you're seeing any trends that are really cool that is the trend right so a lot of MA activity happening i think we all win when we work together and we support each other and so if their larger enterprises see value in what us smaller companies are doing and the innovation that we're bringing and the blood sweat and tears that we're putting into these companies man there's going to be magic because i think headspace and ginger Teaming up was brilliant. It was phenomenal. It was exactly what I would want. And to other larger conglomerates that are looking at snapping up companies that can have an impact, like, hey, listen, Udify is prime for the pump. And we'd be open, you know, because what that does for us, Wilson, it gives us more capital and resources to really go hard, heavy, and, and make a huge impact. And, you know, we have the commercial contracts. We have all these things happening. So that that's super exciting to me. I think the mental health space is... In the second inning, it's it's heating up. It's wild. And we're, we're on the right side of change. I think we're solving a really interesting problem beyond what other people are doing. And I'm really proud of what everyone has been doing in this space. And if we all just lift each other up, um, we're going to do great. Yeah. It's one of those, I wouldn't say rare, but interesting areas where almost as of competing, everyone's just happy if everyone else succeeds. We're all, we're all making an impact here in this area. So on more of a closing wrapping up note then, Ravi, there's a question that's very, very Tim Ferriss inspired, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. So if you had a huge billboard that you could put anywhere you wanted, and you could put anything you wanted on it, what would the message be? Wow, that's a good one. I have personal values, and then the company has its own values, and they're very much in line. But I'll just tell you my personal values. If this was my own personal billboard, I would put my values on the billboard and my value is Sinemithu. So Sinemithu in Latin means to live without fear, right? But then in Hindi, it means you're in my heart, right? So having empathy. I think the way in which we live our lives, if everyone can live with a little less fear and a little bit more empathy, kind of understanding why people are on the journey that they're on and not passing judgment and doing things that they're passionate about, this world will be an amazing place. So I think you might, I might have to translate that on the bottom of the billboard. But yeah, that would be my message to the world is guys, like, don't be afraid to follow your dreams, follow your passion, you're going to fall hard, it may not work out, it may blow up, it may be a 
huge success. Who knows? Nobody knows, but be empathetic towards people that are actually doing that because it takes it takes so much to do that and to keep doing that. So that's what I would kind of post. Yeah. Well, it's been a super amazing, Ravi, and I'm glad we had you on the podcast. If anyone listening wanted to get in touch or was interested, where would they be able to find you? Yeah, my LinkedIn you can definitely reach me on LinkedIn if you want to post that in the the copy. In the show notes, everything will be That'd there. That'd be great. Or Twitter. I'm not that active on Twitter, but I'm uh, looking to be more active. It's a great place to kind of connect with me. So either Twitter or LinkedIn would be great. Thanks so much, Ravi. It's been, it's been great. It's been great chatting to you. I wish you the best of success with this podcast. It's going to be great. Thank you, Wilson. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to leave a like, give us a download on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, or go to our website, rightinyourmind.com. See you soon.